there's also something to staying brilliant with the basics. I think that it's easy for a content creator, a business developer, we're on our own journey. Like we're learning too. And so we want our content to get fancier and better and better. And a lot of times that gets really muddy for the person who's just getting started. Your simple message that is working with the person two years ago is probably gonna work with the new person today as well. Right. And staying really centered on the basics and always going back to that, that serves my customer base very well. Successful brands are rooted in purpose and driven by the potential to make a positive impact on their customers. Welcome to The Pursuit of Purpose with Amy Austin. Each week, Amy brings you practical advice to embrace the power of purpose in all aspects of your business and transform it into the central storyline for your branding and marketing strategies. Today, my guest on The Pursuit of Purpose is Suze Carpenter. And Suze, I'd love, love for you to just give us a little bit of background of who you are and the kind of work that you do. Oh, my pleasure. I'm so glad to be here with you today, Amy. Thank you for having me on here. So by trade, I'm called a certified nutritional consultant. So basically what that means is I really understand food and I understand the human body. And what I exist to do is clear up food confusion so that people can win at losing weight. Because I realized that we have a serious problem. And I was one of those people for years. I had a secret that I was planning to take to the grave with me. Like, I didn't plan to tell my husband. So what ended up happening from that is I realized that women especially are suffering because they're frustrated and they're confused by what it takes to lose weight. So I solved for that by developing inexpensive online programs to help them understand how to eat so they get their weight right where they want it and they don't have to suffer anymore and they start loving their life and their lifestyle at home. I am a mom of four. I've been married 24 years and I live just north of Atlanta, Georgia. And I can tell you what, I still turn a load of laundry pink at least once every single quarter after all of these years. But I ended up in this space completely on accident, to tell you the truth. I started out my life being a first grade teacher. And I came home when number two was born. But in that space, I developed a superpower where I can take complex science once I understand it and explain it in a way that a first grader gets it. So that served me really well when the kids were at home and we were doing homework. But life threw us a curveball, you know, like it always does. And that was in 2009. And my husband's a vice president. He had been with this company for 14 years in Michigan. I was the wife at home thinking, this is great, nice stability. <laughs> we bought our forever home. And when he said that to me, that shook up everything. And we ended what up- What did moving. he say, Suze? He said, you know what? They're not going to need me in three years. They are not going to need me in three years. I'm forecasting. That was terrifying. So we ended up moving from Michigan to Mississippi following a job that- was going to bring him home at night. You know, before he was traveling all the time, he was missing a lot and he's our favorite. We wanted him home. So getting him home at night was a plus. But the thing that happened with that, it came with a 40% pay cut. And now this is not free marital advice for anybody, but we were trying to sweep this little subject right under the rug and make it go away because we didn't want to stress each other out. 
like we're possibly the nicest people you'll ever meet. <laughs> so we were like just hoping to make it go away. So we know that doesn't work, but he was laying on his side of the bed thinking, we just cut out savings for four weddings and four colleges and our retirement. And I was thinking more like a girl laying in bed, like we just cut out hot dates and these kids need a lot of shoes and we're going to be budgeting grapes. And I don't think I like this. So I tell all that to tell you that was the spot I was in when I bumped into direct sales company. And that's where I warmed up my like entrepreneur chops. Like I really started to like making money for myself. And then I recognized like I was always sort of an entrepreneur. I was a girl picking dandelions in the backyard and selling them in the front yard as a kid. Okay. So this is what happens. I start with this nutritional company and I'm fitting people to products and I liked it and I was coaching to get them results. But what I noticed is they were trying to get healthy by eating barbecue and yeast rolls. And that didn't work. Like there's no magic diet pills because if they existed, I would find them. So I ended up doing a lot of work trying to help people understand the kitchen and get them results. And it's in this space of nutrition that somebody said, hey, you say you die for your kids, but would you change for them? And that one hit me square between the eyes. That's where my secret came back. And I thought, I have a raging eating disorder. And if I don't do something about this, my girls are very likely to grow up and have the same mean girl voice in their head and they're probably going to have the same fractured relationship with food that I have. So what started out as I was willing to change for them and get me help to be a better role model was that I understood a couple of principles that I was missing and it forever altered my life. I went from thinking I was just rescuing us to this information about nutrition is hidden in plain sight. It's like when you have your sunglasses on top of your head and it became like the Mother Teresa complex came out in me. The need to help solve this problem for others became huge. Now, I know not everybody has an eating disorder, but a lot of people have disordered eating. And 70% of America is overweight or obese. So we do have confusion when it comes to how do I feed my body to get to a healthy weight so that my body's healthy. So I've built a company around keeping this really simple so that I can explain nutrition to the masses so that we can begin to reverse this trend and people can feel empowered and inspired to do this. Right. So when we were, when we talked offline before this, I was really fascinated with how you have been able to come to such clarity around who your target audience is. Mm -hmm. Can you, can you talk to me a little bit more about the definition of your target audience and how you make sure that you're keeping that idea in mind as you're working through the development, not only of the services that you offer, but how you present that information to your audience? That's such a great question. And this is such an important piece of business to develop as quickly as you possibly can. And it's difficult when you're thinking, I need customers, I need leads, I need to get money in the funnel. It's really difficult to pull back and design your avatar or your ideal client. It feels trite. It feels like it's a waste of time. But truly, this is one of a couple things that I slowed down and took time to develop that actually made crystal clear for me about how to cater my messages moving forward rather than I'm going to just talk to everybody, which 
When you say to most business owners, you know, who's your ideal client? They say anybody with skin on because they don't want to lead anybody out. When in fact, what we want to do is be able to cater our message in such a way that somebody thinks, are you reading my mail? Like, are you listening through your Alexa to what I'm thinking and talking about in my house? You want that type of connection because that's going to be your raving fan and they know raving fans. So what I did is I had to get really, really still when I decided I was going to build this company because truth be told, I was doing what I just explained for a long time. Anybody with skin on, I want customers, I want leads, anybody. But then when I got really clear about who am I talking to Oh, that's when the game changed. So my avatar is named Jessica. I know Jessica so well. I know what type of car she drives. I know what type of clothing store she goes into. I know what kind of jewelry she wears. I know if she gets her nails done. I know what she does with her hair. I know what shows she's watching on TV. I know what apps she likes on her phone. I know her really, really well. I know her favorite foods. I know what she likes to do for free time. I know how she is with her kids. She has two kids. I have her all mapped out. I know her so, so, so well. And she is just a few younger years younger than me. And if I were to describe her in many ways, she's so much like me. She's probably like the best friend. Like I designed my avatar to be my best friend and she's very similar to me. So we have so much in common. So whenever I get ready to write an email or talk on a podcast, say where we're talking about nutrition or I'm doing a video series, anything like that, whenever I can tell myself, just talk to Jessica, man, does it clear up how I talk? Because then I'm using words that we would use in a conversation and she gets it. And what I'm saying is relevant to her. It's not, it's not just wasted nouns and verbs. And that has made it so easy to know that my marketing is on point because it's a message that I know she would want to read. Well, and I think, I think the other piece of that that's really important, in my opinion, to recognize is the role that you play in aligning with that ideal target audience. Because with you having such strong alignment with that definition that you just shared, you're going to work harder for that person. You're going to be more relatable to them. And in turn, you're going to be more satisfied with the work that you're doing. You're not going to experience a client and go, I don't understand how this person found me, but this is not at all who I want to work with. And as a result, you start dragging your feet of working with that person. And I think too often that is a byproduct of when we think, oh, I can work with anybody and everybody. Great point. When you work with anybody and everybody, the ones that tend to gravitate towards you are the ones who aren't as far from your ideal as possible. Mm-hmm. I agree with that 100% because you're probably doing a work that is deeply personal or matters. You have a purpose behind it. And to be working with people very, very closely that take away your joy from this because they're not in alignment with what you're trying to accomplish. I mean, that's precious energy that you have to guard for staying creative and staying engaged. And I loved what you said about when you have this avatar that you like so much, you want to show up for that person and you want to provide ridiculous value because you want their life to be impacted and changed for the better. When I have those days where I think, I don't know if I have it in me today, you know, just my energy is at a 60. I think you need to serve Jessica. You need to bring your A game. Like I'll ask myself, who do you need to bring your A game for? Who do you need to show up and serve for? And then suddenly you find a different 
not responsibility, but a desire, like a true energy, a want to go solve their problems for them. And a lot of times your message is because of your mess. So a lot of times the problem you're solving is the problem you had solved. And you're so glad for it to be no longer a problem for you that you can't help but want to pay it forward. What you just said reminds me, someone several years ago said to me that the way that she viewed her ideal target audience was someone who was three or four steps behind her in the same process of what she was, what she was dealing with. Yes. And I think there is a lot of value to that in just recognizing that the problem that you are trying to solve Someone else has that problem and they're somewhere on the continuum of finding a solution. Mm -hmm. You just happen to have the solution that they're searching for. So they are on a path that's a few steps behind where you're at and you are there to help them get to the solution. And something on that point is realizing they're four steps behind where you are right at this moment. Well, right at this moment, business owner, expert, I know a lot of fancy words with five syllables in them around the nutrition space now that I didn't know back when we lived in Michigan and it would have gone over my head and not changed my life because it was, it was talking too, too elevated, too far advanced. So when I'm talking to Jessica, I'm using words she knows, not because she's not smart, just she hasn't had enough learning to attach definitions that make sense that'll change your life. So I have to go talk where she is. And there's a genius in that. That is a very smart person that's able to go and do that. Right. When you can eliminate your jargon, your industry terminology, and bring it back to a place that's relatable to your audience, that's golden. And I think it's probably easier for you having come out of teaching. I think that I'm so aware of that. And in a teacher, you get to the end of the year of first grade, but the next year you go all the way back to the beginning. So I think there is a little bit of, I already knew about having to go start again with people. There's also something to saying brilliant with the basics. I think that it's easy for a content creator, a business developer, we're on our own journey. Like we're learning too. And so we want our content to get fancier and better and better. And a lot of times that gets really muddy for the person who's just getting started. Your simple message that is working with the person two years ago is probably going to work with the new person today as well. Right. And staying really centered on the basics and always going back to that, that serves my customer base very well. It's very few that want to get into the niches of what I know and get really advanced. They want the basics of like, how do I go to the grocery store? Why do I need fiber? What foods are going to get me the highest fiber? How do I keep my net carbs low? What's a carbohydrate? I am asked the same questions all of the time because I always have new people coming in. So staying really good at that and review is what gives people wild success. Right. Well, and actually that, that just brought up a whole different idea in my mind that we didn't even talk about the last time we, we chatted in preparation for this, which is that's kind of fundamental of Marcus Sheridan's theory of they ask you answer. Are you familiar with that at all? No, but tell me. Marcus Sheridan is, he has written a couple of books now about this, but he is the owner of a pool company. And in 2008, when the last recession hit, his pool company was not doing well. 
as you might imagine, because, you know, who's going to put a pool in when economic times are down? But he decided to just become very open and forthright about what it meant to have a pool. And he started listening to what his, the questions that not only his direct audience were asking about pools, but anybody who was looking for pools. So he does in-ground pools, but he was getting a lot of questions about above-ground pools. So he just started answering all of these questions and building content out from that and posting it on his website. At the time he was doing blogs, I think now his business model has moved more towards he's doing a lot of video but he was just providing very honest, very open answers to questions related to pools. And it didn't matter if it was part of what he did in his business as a pool company or if it was what a competitor did. And he talked about price and he talked about what do you need to know about the ground in order to have it level? What do you need to know <laughs> about maintenance? All of these things. And he just provided all those answers. And as a result, he built trust <laughs> and his business remained profitable through that entire recession period and has grown exponentially as a result of that. And now, like I said, he's written books about and termed this philosophy or this strategy that he developed as they ask you answer. And he is, he keynotes on that topic all over the country, all over the oh. world now. Mm. And what you were just saying of understanding, I get asked the same questions all the time. That's the foundation of being able to build out content mm -hmm. for your business so that they can, if they're not ready to engage with you in a one-on-one -on -one conversation or reach out to you personally to get an answer, they could go to it on your website or onto your social platforms, wherever you might be sharing those answers and be able to get it and start laying that foundation for the people who maybe are not quite ready to work with you yet, but know they need somebody like you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very true. And again, and you can refurbish that content again and again Absolutely. and again. I have this wonderful assistant who she can take my brain and my creativity and she puts it to technology. <laughs> she can fill in where I stand loose. Anyway, her linear brain is that I need a new piece of content for every single thing and I, it's really interesting to keep saying to her, but realize that you're reading all of my stuff over and over and over again, and you've had so much repetition that you get it. We are trying to teach memory. We're trying to teach memorization to the people that we are prospecting or that are leads or that are customers. Like we want them seeing the message again and again and again and be known for something. As the business owner or the CEO, you do have this tendency to continue to create and develop, but really, again, your audience, they want the repetition because that's where the learning is going to happen. That's where the no like, and trust is going to happen. Right. And to your point, it's answering those same questions. Mm -hmm. They ask you answer. Exactly. Yep. Well, and there is a certain amount of repetition that has to happen before they even retain what you've shared with them. <laughs> You know, and, and I think as our attention spans get smaller and smaller, that number increases in terms of how many times we've seen it. I mean, I've seen stats that say, you know, prospective customer needs to hear your message six to eight times or 12 times. Yesterday, I, I talked with a woman who said she's heard it's, it is now up to 28 to 30 times before they actually will take the next step and really want to start doing business with you. And 
now our attention span is what less than a goldfish is a goldfish yeah. eight minutes. And they're saying that we have seven sec or eight goldfish, eight seconds. We have seven seconds or it's goldfish ridiculously nine. short, it, it's, <laughs> whatever it, it is. It used to be 90 seconds and then it has just dwindled down. Right. So you have to have that level of repetition because one, you can't guarantee that one person is going to see your message every time you put it in front of them. That's the truth too. Two, you can't guarantee that every person that needs to see it is going to see it when you put it out there. So like on Twitter, how often do you scroll back? You know, how many times do you actually scroll through to see all everything that's showing up in Twitter? Chances are it's only like maybe five or six swipes if you're using your phone. And if if you could see me, you'd see me doing this, right? The people who are listening um, (laughs) because I talk with my hands. But in all honesty, we don't do more than four or five up swipes to see what's going on. So if your message isn't falling in one of those screens that they're seeing, they didn't see it. So -hmm. you have to be there at the time that they're looking. So that means you have to repeat your message. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But going back to the audience, you also have to know where they're going to be. So, yes. you know, Twitter may or may not be where they're at. It might be that they're on Instagram. It might be that they're on Snapchat. It might be TikTok now. It, you know, who knows? You have to know them well enough to know where to go to find them. That's right. That's right. You know, and that's another critical aspect of understanding your audience. It is. Oftentimes, I think, just kind of gets glazed over as to so many things about knowing your audience, but. Well, I mean, that's true because, and that was something else that I had to do market research on and just get numbers because I actually thought my audience was going to be primarily on Instagram, even though I had a big following on Facebook. And so I was working hard to build content on Instagram. And while I am building no like and trust there, things happen a lot faster and I get a lot more leads off of Facebook. That's where my audience is. Now, Jessica is not in the business world. Some of the Jessicas are that are watching, but she's more of a stay-at-home mom. Maybe she works from home type of a person, but she's not hanging out on LinkedIn a lot. So I know that that's not necessarily a platform that I need to work hard to develop onto. I stay in my lane and I try and do it really well. Yep. And that's that's such a great piece of advice to think about as well is knowing what each social platform is going to give you. Mm-hmm. You know, Instagram might be the place where they get introduced to you. Right. But Facebook is where they, they get to know me. They get to know you and they build the trust and they are willing then to take the next step and have an interaction with you and start the dialogue of truly engaging with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so important to understand where where your audiences reside and how they behave and what they do and why they do it. You understand their underlying motivations of what's driving them to need this, you know, this help with their nutrition and their healthy lifestyle in a mm-hmm. way that is sustainable. Mm-hmm. Right. My, like my avatar doesn't want to yo-yo diet anymore. She's really worried about on the day that I die, am I going to still be struggling with my body image? And am I going to spend my whole life struggling with this and never get there? Is that what I've got ahead of me? She's really upset about that idea. She really has tried before and it feels like a big task ahead. And she's, she's kind of nervous about it. Sure. But 
she really does not want the rest of her life to feel like this. And she's starting to feel a pressure to do something about it now and to really find a lifestyle. She realizes fads have never worked and they never will. And she needs to figure out a pattern of eating that she can do now that she can do when she's 80. And she's mm-hmm. in a hurry up to get it done. And I know that that's who, that's her concern. But then I have like this secondary audience that is also somebody that like they're on the fringes and they are like looking at me like a big sister or they're like in their twenties to 35. They're younger than me. And she is just beginning to get out of college and starting to realize like, uh Oh, put on some weight. I'm getting into this relationship. I've got weddings and I have kids. I want to be the cute little spunky mom. That's got the cute kids and the cute outfit. Like she's got this whole picture in her head and she's thinking, what's it look like when I'm 45 and my kids are older? What's it look like when I'm married for so many years and I'm not just in this engagement and early wedding thing. Like what's, what's life look like? And she's watching me like a TV show. So I know that I'm showing up for like mainly my main avatar, but I also know who's watching me. So I try to, in everything that I do, that I put on social media, I don't love social media personally. If I could just be done with it, I promise you I would. So when I'm posting, I'm working. So I figure if I'm going to be working, then I'm going to be posting in a way that my avatars like can't get enough. Like what's she doing now? Like she's curious, for instance, about what I do. So you and I talking right now, she would want to know that we're recording a podcast that she can get to listen to later. Like really, she's just curious about what life looks like. So all my messaging is just to take her along in my journey and for her to just be kind of addicted. Like, I want to know what's next. Right. And I think it's really good that you recognize that there is that fringe audience as well, because that's, that's the start of your funnel. That's, that's the start of the next wave of, of clients for you that have seen the success of those who have come before, before them and Mm -hmm. want to achieve that same level of success, whatever that success is that they're, you know, that they've defined as Mm -hmm. being important to them. They've seen it happen with others that you've worked with and they want, they know that they're going to need it at some point. It might not be today or next year, but they know that they are going to want it Mm -hmm. and they need to know how to get started what groundwork can they be laying now to make the transition? You know, mm-hmm. whatever those, whatever the, that thought process is, I'm just kind of imagining what I think it would be, but, but it's good that you've identified that there is that funnel starting, mm-hmm. you know, just to, to use some jargon, I guess. That's right. Um, but well, that- and it's a lot of fun when they pop up too. Like just last week I had one of my B funnels, <laughs> people mm-hmm. who are on the satellite reached out and she's saying, I think I'm about ready for you to start working with me one-on-one I, because she's been watching me for so long. And now she's, she's ready to take on getting healthy. Mm-hmm. So have you identified like a time frame of, you know, that they, that they're kind of in that fringe for six months, you know, like what's the ramp up time before they, when they're in the fringe to when they start wanting to work with you one-on-one? Oh I my think gosh. that's, I think that's an important thing to think about just in general too of, you know, for anybody in business, regardless of what type of business they're in, if you have that, that nurturing period, mm-hmm. what's the average time that it takes for them to go from nurturing to the client action that you desire them to be in? 
That's a difficult thing to answer because I haven't specifically tracked that in terms of, I don't know how long they were watching me on Instagram before a program. And maybe it's not possible to, I mean, it might be a question that you ask them. But I I could tell you, I could tell you this though. I've been in the nutrition space 10 years and then I formally opened up a program called SOS, which is Sue's on your shoulder. And it's a daily soundbite. It's three to four minutes long, comes right to the text of your phone. It's 15 bucks a month. And it starts with a seven day free trial. That way they can try me out and see if it's a fit for them. They can try out the sound bites, all the resources risk-free. And then it's $15 a month. So I just rolled that out. I did a soft opening about two months ago. I mean, and I hadn't been talking about anything other than SOS on, on social media in terms of this is coming, but they didn't know what it was, but they knew something was coming. And then when I announced it, it was, I would say I had about 30 people and I have a, just an average size following. You know, I'm not a superstar that's got the little dot next to her name on Instagram. So mm-hmm. to have 30 people out of my existing network who know, like, and trust me say, yeah, I want to get going with SOS. That wasn't, you know, that was maybe a month long nurture sequence. Okay. Throwing them through the email funnel, pulling them into a Facebook group, beginning to introduce this to them. So they knew what it was. So because it's a low offer now that it's out there, people are starting to like listen and watch. I think because it's a low offer, people can binge spend on low offers. If you have a higher dollar item, that's going to take a little bit more nurturing and a little more time. So the thing that you may want to do is track how long does somebody do the SOS before they make the move to to becoming one of your one-on-one clients. There we go. That's exactly right. And that will be important information for you to understand in terms of just understanding where their, what their thought process, how it moves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And what's kind of fun is the way I built out the company was for Jessica and she, she at any given time is at a different place in her journey. So I have the one-on-one, which that's really intimate. You know, that's, you're kind of vulnerable when you're talking to somebody one-on-one and I call it babysit my plate because she can text me from the grocery store or call me during the week or send me restaurants, menus that she's at and I'll help her. Like, so that type of boutique like service, some people really, really want that. They really want this. Help me understand what to eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Let's get granular. Some people want that. Most don't because it's too expensive and too time prohibitive. So that's when I thought, okay, well, I need to have a video course. And I call it the Food Peace University so I can have courses. Mm -hmm. And I thought if I can have self-learning and they can just watch the course and learn on their own, that's going to solve a problem of do it on their time more inexpensive investment. But then I also realized there are a lot of people where that's too much and SOS is a far better fit because it's small little nuggets along the way. Now, what I didn't think about that turned out to be the truth is people who were working one-on-one with me wanted to jump back down into the $15 a month SOS everyday soundbite because they wanted more of me chirping in their ear than just once a week. So then all of a sudden, what I thought was just going to be three different entry points into a business to solve my customer's problem turned out to be it's something that pendulums back and forth during any of these programs support the other one. Right. And it provides them a little extra support. You know, they, they maybe are through your one-on-one and they still feel that they need it. So now they can 
they can do the SOS, mm-hmm. you know, and I have a, I have similar where I do what I call a marketing director on call service. So it's, you know, an hour coaching session that if it serves as a great way to get somebody started working with me and identify what do they need and how can I help them. But it also serves as a great bookend to the other side of that of we've gone through all of the intensive brand development and story development, experience development work that I do with clients. And now they're, they're working on their own or they've started you know, implementing things and they're doing a lot of that themselves, but they want to be able to come back to me at some point mm-hmm. and say, hey, I'm struggling with this part of it. So then they can do that without having it be a large investment of time or money to mm-hmm. still be able to get that advice back. So it seemed, it, I, I see a lot of parallels between what you just described to what I, you know, how I've structured my business as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's, it's really smart to have a bunch of different entry points like that. Definitely. Because you don't know exactly where they're going to be on the continuum of when they need you, of when your right. audience needs you. That's right. That's right. Um, Suze, if there was one piece of advice about really gaining that clarity in your target audience that you would give to someone who's maybe floundering a little bit with that idea of who do they really serve, what would you tell them? Well, I think you already have the answer. It's just that you need to slow down and just ask yourself the question and then just start jotting down what comes to mind. And it, it will come. I think you already know. It's, I bet you would agree with me on that. And then the other thing is when I am writing my copy, I always use the story brand framework, which is I, Jessica is the hero in my story. She's Luke Skywalker. I'm the guide. I'm Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm helping her on her journey. Now think about Luke Skywalker. He was like one step from a ruined day throughout most of the movie. We didn't know if he was going to win the day or not. He needed all the coaching and help and getting through all the turmoil with Obi-Wan Kenobi when they were on the journey. So we don't want to be the hero in our story. We want to be the guide. And you always want to position yourself, not as a know-it-all, but as a, I've been there too, and I'm going to help you get through this. And I'm going to tell you what the happily ever after is. So you stay on the journey. So it's always hero guide, happily ever after. But in order to write that story, you have to know a lot about your hero. Exactly. Well, thank you so much, Suze. I appreciate this conversation very much. I think it really sums up the value of understanding our target audience, but also shows that it can be challenging to figure out who they are. You know, you have, you have to take the time and do the work mm-hmm. in order to really get clear on that and understand who you are serving and how you can be that best guide to them. That's right. It's a slowdown to speed up. Exactly. So Suze, if somebody um, who's listening today would like to get in touch with you, if you want to share you know, how we can find you on social media or your website, I will obviously also include that into my show notes for this as well. But if sure. you would like to do that, please tell me how we can find you. Sure. So I do have a free gift for your audience. Okay, so great. when they go to the website, you can go to SOS and sign up for seven free days. That way you can just even, whether it's you're curious for yourself or you're curious for the business side of it, take a peek at it. I'd love the feedback, but at checkout, put purpose in the checkout code 
And I'm going to send you my PDFs with four different grocery lists. And they're not the grocery lists like that are 17 pages long that nobody ever uses. They're the practical ones for what would be good for Kroger or Publix? What would you buy at Trader Joe's or Costco? Like the ones that you really would use, I'm going to send your way because what I'm trying to do for my clients is keep it clear, clear up obstacles, clear confusion. And you can see how I'm doing that. Everything is Carpenter 180. So it's Carpenter O-N-E-8-0, Facebook, Instagram, and my website. Okay. And then Instagram's a great place to watch because that's where you can see more of how I write a story with the highlights. And I'll typically like my product is how are we eating protein, fat, and fiber? So usually once a day, I'll input into my story a little uh, something that I'm eating so that they can get an example that it's not just chicken and broccoli, but this stuff looks really good. <laughs> I think we all could use a little help on that front. <laughs> uh, so thank you again so much. I think the thing that I always like to say is that our marketing should provide clarity, consistency, and confidence. And I think throughout everything that we just talked about, you illustrated why it's important to be clear on who your audience is, to be consistent in how you speak to them and understanding who they are, you know, that you're consistently speaking to the same person and you're very confident in your ability to be able to do that and how you do that. So thank you for helping to illustrate those three points for me in this conversation. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on here with you today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Are you routinely running your own opportunities through a brand filter? Let me tell you a quick story. Recently, I had a conversation with a colleague who had just hosted a lead generating webinar. The intent was to encourage people to sign up for his primary coaching package. He had great attendance, lots of follow-up questions, but zero conversions. We talked about it for a little while, and finally I asked him, what do you think went wrong? Why do you think they didn't have any conversions? His response was he thought it had to do with his messaging. Based on our conversation, and because I know who the decision makers are for his coaching package, I asked if those individuals were in the webinar. There was a pause in our conversation, and then he said, you know what? No. They weren't. His message was only part of why he didn't get conversions. His message, the audience who participated, as opposed to the audience he wanted, and the intention of the webinar were not in alignment. When these three things are out of alignment, attracting the right people to your business is challenging, if not impossible. While he had engaged participants, they were not who needed to hear his message about the transformation his coaching can do in their business. After our conversation, he's now confident in what his strategy needs to be moving forward, has more clarity around his message, the correct audience, and the intended outcome for the webinar. His next step is consistently sharing the message to get the right people in the next session that he offers. If this sounds all too familiar to you, schedule a discovery call with me today. Clarity, consistency, and confidence will move your next strategy towards growth rather than back to the drawing board. To schedule a discovery call with me, drop me an email at amy at amyaustinmarketing.com 
or visit the scheduling link found on the show notes for this week's episode. This has been the Pursuit of Purpose podcast presented by Austin Marketing. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast player. Head over to amyaustinmarketing.com for links and resources mentioned in today's show, as well as ways to subscribe and connect with Amy. Thanks for listening.